Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. Hi, my name's Melvin, and things are a bit different here. Welcome to Cinematic Doctrine, a Christian podcast service that seeks to encourage and equip Christians to engage and reform the culture of cinema. In this episode, I'm joined by my sister Shirley-Ann to talk about Julia Hart's Stargirl. Earlier in 2020, Disney Plus gained a new PG-rated edition in Stargirl, the film adaption of Jerry Spinelli's much-loved 2000 young adult fiction novel of the same name. Having found a copy of the novel at a used bookstore, I figured I'd read it, text my sister about doing the same, and then the two of us could take some time to chat about the film adaption, as well as the book here on the podcast. So as we get things underway, we contextualize our experience with the film adaption of Stargirl by talking briefly about the book. Afterward, we dive headfirst into talking about the movie, and while we try to keep our book-to-film comparisons light, most readers will sympathize with our experience that sometimes the book really is better. However, we do spend some time talking about how the film adaption and the source material stay largely true to the same theme. That sometimes you have to make a decision in your actions, whose affection are you seeking, and which do you value more. Afterward, knowing that's the theme of the story, we easily head into a biblical discussion about the affections we as Christians have for Christ, how those affections may divide our relationships with others, and what makes Christ worth it. As I mentioned in the intro quip, things are going to be a bit different. We're going to start with the discussion now, and the synopsis, content awareness, and a call to action will happen amidst it. So, without further ado, here's our discussion on Stargirl. Hey, it's my sister Shirley on Benson. What's up, Cheryl? Not much. What's up with you? I'm just hanging out. It's really hot. The ace, the uh, air conditioner's off right now, so we can record, which means I'll be sweating by the end of this. Oh, dear. What about you? Uh, well, the AC is turned up to Arctic um, because my husband likes it cold. So I have to bundle up. So I regret not grabbing a <laughs> pair of socks because my feet are really cold. But that's OK. I'll live. <laughs> I want to swap. <laughs> sure, we can do that. But then Spouse Thomas will come swap. and he will totally like turn your AC on to Arctic and then leave it there forever. Ours are, t- ours are typically on Arctic. It's so cold. Super, super cold. But it's easy for me to bundle, so I don't mind. I love him. (laughs) So apart from being super, super, super cold, what else? Like, what? What are you up to? What? Who? Who are you, Cheryl? People don't know you. I know you, but people don't know you. Yeah. Well, first off, you're the only person in the world I will allow to call me Cheryl, because I. It's one of those names that I never really liked as part of my name, but it sounds cool coming from you. So I'm 100% okay with it. But normally, since now everyone is probably curious, uh, my full name is Shirley Ann or Shirley. So that's typically what I hear, but that's cool. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I just got married about three weeks ago. Woo! Yay! To a pretty awesome dude uh, named Thomas. Uh, and then I also, I work as an archivist down in the D.C. area. Um, just like everybody else, I am working from home, which kind of sucks. But here we are. That's about it. That's great. Apart from the working from home thing and having it suck. But everything else, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> At least cool. you got married and now you get to work from home with your hubby. So that's Yeah. Cool. Except when he goes to work, it kind of sucks because I miss him. But the best part Aww. about him going to work is that he comes home and I get there to rush go. him. Yeah. 
<laughs> so uh, listeners of the podcast will know that things are a little different here because typically I take about five minutes, which is just laborious for an episode of a podcast to kind of tell you what the show is going to be about. So we just decided to condense that and whoever I have on the show with me or if my co-host Daniel's on, we're just going to kind of tell you the synopsis of the show together. We're going to tell you the content stuff and then I'll toss in that call to action that you guys love that every content creator does. So we're just going to do that here. So first off, let's get you guys caught up on the synopsis. And I pretty much just stripped this right from IMDb. The premise for Stargirl, Disney's Stargirl, is uh, Leo Borlock is an average student at Mika High School. He gets decent grades, is a member of the school's marching band, and has always been content flying under the radar. But all that changes when he meets Stargirl Caraway, a confident and colorful new student with a penchant for the ukulele who stands out in a crowd. She is kind, finds magic in the mundane, and touches the lives of others with the simplest of gestures. Her eccentricities and infectious personality charm Leo in the student body, and she quickly goes from being ignored and ridiculed to accepted and praised, then back again, sending Leo on a roller coaster ride of emotions. Directed by Julia Hart and written by Julia Hart, Kristen Hahn, and Jordan Horowitz, based on the New York Times bestselling novel by Jerry Spinelli, Featuring Grace Vanderwall in her debut role, along with Graham Verscher, who some of you may recognize from Summer of 84. Oh, and Giancarlo Esposito plays Archie, which was a nice surprise since he's always great and he kind of steals the scenes he's in, even though he doesn't really do much except like sit and stand. That's kind of it, but it's still great. But Sherlyn, you had a really cool idea. You were going to read the back, the 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 what is it what is it always called the back of the book synopsis which it just feels so long there has to be a single word that defines uh, that is there that's a great question i honestly have no idea i say we come up with a name for it now although my brain is too fried after work to actually help with that but i always just say the back of the book what does the, the back, back of the book of, say the back yeah. of the book what does the inside jacket cover say there you <laughs> which go. is also a mouthful <laughs> all right so the back of stargirl by jerry spinelli stargirl from the day she arrives at quiet Micah High, the hallways hum with the murmur of Stargirl, Stargirl. She captures Leo Borlock's heart with just one smile. She sparks a school spirit revolution with just one cheer. The students of Micah High are enchanted, at first. Then they turn on her. Stargirl is suddenly shunned for everything that makes her different, and Leo, desperate for love, urges her to become the very thing that can destroy her, normal. In this celebration of nonconformity, Newbery medalist Jerry Spinelli weaves an emotional tale about the perils of popularity and the inspiration of first love. Very tonally different. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely be getting into that. But uh, so content warning wise, we're looking at one to two kisses, I guess, in this movie. I, I think it's because one of them's obscured. There is one or two lines of like an alternative philosophy, which uh, the the book has. It's not magical or anything. It's a it's a young adult book, but the the mm -hmm. book does sort of have like a mysticism to it, and so mm -hmm. they carry a little bit over, but not really into the movie. There's light bullying, and all of this is involving teenagers, so that's something to be aware aware of. But as you guys know, call to action time, baby. We're going to keep this much shorter than it typically is. Basically, you can leave a review on First Cinematic Doctrine on iTunes, Podchase, or wherever you listen. It really helps us out to know what you guys are thinking about the show. If you like it, if you hate it, you can tell us. We're glad to know. We'd like to make it as good as we can for you guys. 
Uh, also, it's just nice to hear uh, from people who love the show or hate it. I don't care. <laughs> just let us know. And if you want to support the show, you can donate as low as $3 a month through Patreon. You also get some sick perks, such as voting on movies we discuss at the end of each month. Some of those have involved like American Gospel, Christ Alone. Uh, I was about to say Christ Crucified. That's the sequel. No, we covered <laughs> Christ Alone. Um, and we also covered Hamilton. That was something you guys just chose. We covered Hamilton. Of course, we were probably going to do it anyway because you guys... If you weren't desperate for it through Patreon support, you were desperate for Hamilton anyway. Everybody was thirsty for Hamilton. Um, but basically, you get to choose stuff like that. So maybe there's something out of the blue you're just interested in. You can always pick that for us. And then you also get access to the pre-show, which is a Patreon-exclusive podcast series where my co-host Daniel and I talk about movies, Christianity, life itself. You got two episodes up there already. That's over three hours of content. Can you believe it? Three hours of content. Of course, that's only so far, and you're going to keep getting new content each month for that. Much more freeform, much more relaxed, much more personal. It's good stuff. And you can always keep up with us on social media. We got the links in the show notes. But the whole point of this is to condense it. So let's get started with our initial thoughts on Stargirl. So Sherlyn and I both read Stargirl. That was kind of the whole thing. We were we kept for the last, man, year, I would say, Cheryl, you and I were trying yeah. to find a book and then a movie to cover together. And we just kind of didn't line up like when you were watching movies or when I was reading. Cause like I did a lot of reading in the beginning of this year and then just yeah. stopped reading. Definitely offered plenty of books that have been turned into movies, but you shot them down. I had, I had, I had, I had a schedule. <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> like, ah, sorry. I can pick on you. You're my little brother. It, it's perfect. It's fair. But yeah. We felt like it was a good, good to spend some, t just the, the briefest of time talking about the book. Mm -hmm. Just what our experience was with the book, because it really does help to contextualize how we enjoyed the movie. Also, like what's going on in the movie. But of course, we are going to talk about the movie as a movie. So don't worry about that. But yeah. So starting with you, Cheryl, how did you enjoy or not enjoy Stargirl? So I actually really liked it. I read it in like middle school or high school. I cannot remember. Um, it's one of those required readings that everyone has to read. Uh, I'm pretty sure I read straight through it and didn't read when the teacher was like, read chapters one through two. I just read right through it. Um, I remember enjoying it then, and I really enjoyed it now. And I don't really know why I exactly enjoyed it, because it's, it's definitely one of those really easy reads for teens that you just kind of whip right through, especially at the age of 28. Um, definitely sit and read this in one sitting. But the way Spinelli wrote it out from the perspective of just Leo, uh, as in the third person, you really got to know Leo and his thoughts uh, about the school uh, and then also Stargirl. And we will mention it in the movie, but it was definitely refreshing in the movie to see the other characters interact because you don't get that in the book, um, which is not very typical. A lot of uh, teen books tend to cover pretty much everyone they can and not just a single person where this was just strictly Leo and his thoughts. Um, you got a little bit about other people, but it was always from Leo's perspective. Even his interactions with Stargirl was always from Leo's perspective, which leads me to my other point, And it might be really weird to say this, but I enjoy when a book can make me really frustrated with characters and events because it shows really good writing. If, I'd, if I'm just reading and I don't care, like, it might be good 
it's whatever but if i don't feel anything then it's just it's just a book this i wanted to throw the book across the room during some of the points where leo kind of started going downhill without mentioning too many spoilers i like i remember closing the book and telling thomas i'm like i hate leo i hate him like i liked him (laughs) and then he made these decisions and i was just like freaking leo come on like you just can't what you're saying is is just not okay you're being stupid but of course can't do that because these kids don't even exist and I'm even like, I'm, I'm frustrated enough that I'm like picking up the book and throwing it down in case you can't hear it. But like, that's how Spinelli made me feel. And I really like that about books. So that was, that was a nice thing. Uh, and then I loved the question that Archie asks in the book. Can you give some background on who Archie is for us? Yes. So Archie is probably the coolest character in the book. And I'm very upset that he was not in the movie too much. But Archie is this old guy that was a paleontologist i think and a professor somewhere in the united states and then moved to this like middle of nowhere town in arizona and his entire house is just filled with bones everywhere you go no matter what whether it's the, the entryway the living room the bathroom it's just everything's bones because um, he's obsessed with dinosaurs and fossils and i love that the book uh Spinelli describes that he may or may not have taken them from digs he was on that he was supposed to give them to the museums, but we don't know. Um, and he has Barney, which is like a little fossil of a fox, of a, an extinct fox. And he just always has Barney around. Can I tell you something that just occurred yeah. to me? Yeah. I did not realize that it was Barney the dinosaur. Oh my gosh. Until literally just now when I heard it out loud. You know how like you read something and you just yeah. you're just reading it, but yeah, like no, it I, clicks yep. that that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I think because it's a fox, like so we're just we're not thinking of, you know, Barney the big purple dinosaur. <laughs> he says fox, so you're like, okay, a cat a cat skull with a long nose kind of thing. But yeah, so he's just this eccentric guy that all the kids love. He's the second school that they all go to, and he teaches. Um, I'm not going to find it because it's going to take me forever. But he teaches everything from like uh, uh, somebody described as like toothpaste to like some wild and crazy word that also starts with a T. That like he just covers every single topic. Yeah, he he's sort of the character that's like the when things go amok. People go ask him questions for some insight and usually are responded to with questions. So you ask him. Yeah, he's very wise. How do you, what do you think about this? He goes, well, what do you think about this? Yeah, but he doesn't say it that way. Like he'll, he'll change the words and like the kids are like, wait, what? Right. Um, And then he's got a cactus named Senor Saguaro. And let me just tell you how mad I am that Senor Saguaro was not in the movie. And like the way he's described uh, about losing his pants because the like everything from like the middle of the cactus down is dead, but then right. it's alive and there's like birds living inside and they talk to him. Like, I'm so disappointed. So that's Archie. So he's this wise old man that all the kids love. And he asks Leo, whose affection do you care for more? Hers, Stargirls, or theirs, the schools? And I just like, I underlined it and underlined it. I'm like, that's the big question. That's what this book is about. It's about whose affection do you care more about? Uh, and this was just not often do I pick up a, a book's like main thesis. And if I do, it's it's either after a really long time or you kind of have to figure it out for yourself. But Spinelli, being the wonderful man he is, he just writes it right there. Um, so there's no guesswork about what this book is about, which is really nice. And there's a couple other things that come up later that kind of talk about what the point of the book is but that i think right there is the main point and 
I mean, that hits home for me, which we will definitely get into later Yeah. about, about that, because it's, I mean, that's everyone's problem. Well, not, and maybe it's not really a problem, but it, it's a, it's an affliction that everyone goes through. Who's affection well, we you care for more. It. And especially yeah. now when, when uh social status is a big commodity right mm-hmm. now, I mean, influencers is already a term that's existed, but it's definitely mm-hmm. a term everybody knows now because social yeah. media is huge. Yeah, I really enjoyed the book too. In fact, I I didn't finish it in one sitting. It doesn't sound like you did either, but but nah, it is one that you could finish in a sitting because I definitely. read I read about 80 to 90 pages in one sitting. Mm-hmm. When I got the book the next day, I sat down to read it because I was like, I messaged you and I said, hey, I found it for uh, really cheap at a used bookstore. Why don't, mm-hmm. why don't I buy you a copy? And this will be the movie we talk about because um, mm-hmm. I know it was on Disney Plus. And like I started and I was like, this is an easy, easy read. It is so easy to keep reading. Um, mm-hmm. Part of that, just structurally, the chapters are like two to three pages long, which I just love. Spinelli has this way of, in this book, I don't know enough of his writing to know if it's a typical thing, but mm-hmm. it's like a balance between subtext and text. Yeah. The, it is so obvious while also not at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of what makes it easy to read, yet filled with a lot of nutrients, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. It's something that like when I, it's not like taking a pill where it's really good for you, but it's the worst. And it's not like eating candy where it's the worst, but it tastes really good. It's sort of like, I don't know, like a, like a, I don't like a hot, a hot dog. I I don't know. <laughs> no one wants to think about what they're made of, but they taste so good. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like, I'll, I will, I will find a way to stretch this metaphor, but basically the book really <laughs> handles that way. We're like, yeah. you can, you will get a lot out of it while also finding it very easy to read. Mm-hmm. There's basically three sections. And like the first section of the book is the hot seat. It's this mm-hmm. idea that the, that Leo and his friend, Kevin, 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 yeah, they run a, a, a show that's once a month shown at the school and it's called hot seat where they just have a student come on and they ask questions and they have to answer them. And then the student body also gets to ask questions as well. And so the first, first third of the book is will Stargirl get the hot seat? Then the second is Leo and Stargirl's romance and how that will develop or whether or not it will develop. And then the third, the last third is sort of coming to terms with the romance and the school and how they all treat each other. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just so good. It's so well-paced. And so yeah. very easy read, very good. Um, it's very clear that the two of us uh, enjoyed it immensely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that brings us to the movie. And so mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll jump off on this one. I think... Like so, the movie very much is tonally different. So one of the things we really didn't get into when we talked about what we liked about the Star Girl book, mm-hmm. but I think we both agree on is that Star Girl is just so over the top, mm-hmm. so over yeah. the top in this book. She is like she's described as always bringing in Valentines and Halloween candies and giving mm-hmm. them out to literally everybody in her homeroom regularly. She will play the happy birthday for people all over the school. Yep. <laughs> Just out of She'll the She'll cheer when you throw something away. Yeah. <laughs> like, like if you pick it up off the ground, yeah, and put it, yep. put it in the trash. And mm-hmm. there are things like she... They're at a basketball game. I think the main sport in the in the book is basketball, and because in the movie it's football, which it goes I don't from mind. football to basketball. But yeah, basketball ends up becoming like the main 
the main one, yeah. Yeah, and she will grab the ball and just run around with it. And like, yeah. this is like during the game. Yep. <laughs> and, and so she, yeah. and people are like, what's happening right now? And then yeah. people start cheering because the whole thing is that at Mika High, nothing happens. Yeah. And now something's happening and there's something yep. to talk about. And there's this one point that's made where like, prior to her showing up and running around with the ball, nobody came to these games. And then the next game that happens at home everyone's there because they're waiting to see mm-hmm. what star girl's going to do i think one of the other funniest parts is that she will she will set up her t- her desk with like yes. a tablecloth and she'll put out flowers that spinelli describes as uh or leo describes as during the beginning of the week the flowers are alive but by the end of the week they're dead and then the yeah. next week she just brings new ones yeah, and so there's just so a precious. lot of these things that you would see immediately. It's not just her clothes and it's not just that she has a ukulele of which everybody kind of already has anyway. So my wife yeah. had a ukulele. So it's like, it's not, it's not that abnormal. Mm-hmm. She, you would see her and go, that's very different. Yeah. We don't really get that in this movie. And I think that's the no, first not at all. thing to kind of mention. Mm-hmm. The juxtaposition is this story. So like, mm-hmm. Do you, th- if you were to meet someone like Stargirl from the book and then someone like Stargirl from the movie, how would you react? Like, w- would you react the same? Would you be, would you notice one of them? What, what's different about them? Yeah, I, well, I would absolutely notice Stargirl from the book. The outfit she wears when Leo first sees her, he describes as a as her grandmother's wedding dress. <laughs> That's uh, my right. first thought, because oh. he's describing like the ruffles at the neck and the wrist and down at the bottom. I'm like that sounds more like a nightgown, but okay, Leo. So I would notice her, and and like she doesn't carry, she carries like a big bag with a sunflower on it that's huge and then she's got this cute little rat which thank the lord they put that in the movie i was so glad it was cute little cinnamon little cinnamon i wish he was so cute he, he does a little bit more in the book but yeah she's so noticeable i probably would have been embarrassed for every kid she sang happy birthday to because i just get embarrassed for everybody and then i would dread my birthday coming up and i wouldn't want her to come over to me but i would i, I would think she would be the coolest person ever I'd probably want to be friends with her. Uh, I would totally sit down at her table, um, at least at the age I am now. In high school, maybe not, because I was shy. Now, the Stargirl from the movie, I'm pretty much I'm Stargirl from the movie. I don't know. She just seemed so normal to me. Yeah. She she yeah. she had confidence, but it wasn't this like bombastic confidence that Stargirl has in the book. And I was searching for that the whole time. I'm like, her outfits are totally normal people wear that today all the time and it's not weird yeah people have ukuleles all the time not weird okay she's got a rat she brings it to school maybe that's a little strange because animals at school but (laughs) emotional support animal i don't know like it the star yeah she she just did not impress me at all she's the the actress is wonderful i thought she was great she does great i think she does great She's a singer. That's like, that's the thing about her. She is that she's a professional singer and this was her first acting role. She's great. Yeah, she does great. The music, by the way, there's in the film, there are basically music numbers and they're the, about the most bombastic the film kind of gets. There's about three of them and then there's licensed music. But I think those were probably the best, the best parts, but they don't, you know, that's not, but they're not, they're normal too. Like, of course you sing at at a game. Like at a halftime show in, in at football, like that's norm that is also very normal. 
Yeah. What's not normal is Stargirl running out during, like, uh, doing her thing after the band uh, does the halftime show and then continues to do cartwheels while the, the game is, the, the players are warming up and she's right. doing the warm ups with them right. and then she's jumping around. And then next thing you know, she's climbing up the goalpost and then that's right. like, walking and she's across. Like towing like, it. Yeah. That's not normal. That's what's, yeah. that's Stargirl. That's Stargirl. So she's not Stargirl in the movie. And it, it just falls so flat for me in that, yeah. in that area. Just, she's like any other girl with maybe a little bit more confidence and she's got a little bit more smarts about her when it comes to caring for other people and like that affection and being yourself. But the movie did not convince me that that's what they were trying to tell that like be yourself. It doesn't matter what other people think. Like it was there, but I think I only noticed it because I read the book. Yeah. So that was actually a huge thing for me. And that's usually what happens when I watch adaptions is the the mm-hmm. big thing i'm trying to go for is would i know what's going on if i didn't read the book mm-hmm. that's important because books mm-hmm. as a medium give you the insight into what people are thinking and movies don't do that movies give you the visual component and sometimes will go much more creative so the music numbers in this go creative because everyone's looking into the camera like a music video and mm-hmm. i love that that's great <laughs> you're, mm-hmm. you're taking the the medium and you're saying why do we need to make this look like they're only performing to the the crowd the crowd is the people watching the movie at home <laughs> that's the crowd so have it perform to them and so that i that's that's where it really works but a lot of the things with the, the film script when it comes to dialogue is trying to carry over certain lines, certain mo- inner monologues from the book and p- verbalizing them, which mm-hmm. just never sounds right because er- yeah, inner monologues are typically, they have the right to be melodramatic is what oh, I'll absolutely. say. They have the right to really get into it. Why? Because we're all really melodramatic in our heads. We're not yep. so much in real life uh, verbally. And that's fine too. Some people are. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good skill to have if you're it if you're is. comfortable being able to be honest and share uh, in the good form of melodrama. But there, there's a lot of that that's kind of going on. And I was talking to a friend who had seen it and she was saying how it's kind of 14 and deep is kind of the movie. Where like it's funny because they're totally 16. Yeah, Come like, but, <laughs> but it's like that idea that like if you were younger, you'd be like, oh, wow, these are like so poignant because it's like the first time you've heard of these things where like Stargirl is saying how she likes to do things for other people and Leo will be like, why? And she's like, what, do I need a reason? Like yeah. the, you kind of go, oh, that's really deep, uh, which, yeah, I mean, I guess it is because a lot of people don't do things for yeah. others for no reason. They usually expect something in return. I think they kept that discourse in the movie where she's like don't you want them to do something back to you and she's like why would i what does that matter i think they kept that part in but it was weak but it was there (laughs) and it is hard i did mention how it's got like these three parts to the book and when it's in the book you can kind of go you can see when each part ends and go into the next and in a movie like i'm reading this and i'm like it's gonna be tough to see this adapted unless they interweave things um, for instance, there's an oratorical contest in the book, and it's not really mentioned until halfway into the book, maybe a little later. Yeah. But it's kind of in like 20 minutes in, you know that there's an oratorical contest, maybe 15 minutes in here in the movie. And I was like, OK, so they are definitely interweaving everything. And that's good. They need to be doing that. But it's just it's lo- I don't I don't know how else to say it apart from like the typical criticism from books to movies. 
other than like it loses a lot of what it needs to be mm-hmm. but also like it it is what it needs to be because it is the movie is about individualism the movie is about being confident in who you are but it's not as fantastical as the source material the source material is like it borders on fantastic it borders on this is a fantasy land where all this stuff happens mm-hmm. while also kind of being in the territory of this could totally happen. <laughs> this, yeah. this has happened. Um, and I think that kind of makes sense because, like I said, it's subtext and text with the book. It's like this balance of both. So it makes sense that it would be like real and not real at the same time. I guess what I mean to say is this movie could have been benefited by doing the same thing. It, it could have been grounded while also fantastic at the same time. Yeah. Why, and I think the fantastic part, on? yeah, would have been her. Like she, she can be like the only fantastic element, put extra ribbons in her hair, make her wear crazier outfits, maybe have her wear the long flowing dress. That's from like the 1800s or something. I don't know. Like yeah, just go thrifting. They could have. Yeah, exactly. Um, really quick on your point about like the the interweaving of like the the, where in the book like halfway through the book you find out about the contest but in the movie it's pretty much right away uh the book has the time to do that i think this is where a lot of adaptations struggle is books have all the time in the world to take you from the beginning of the school year to the end of the school year and they can like just from from chapter to chapter it can be a different month and it works in a movie, you don't have time for that. Otherwise, you're going to have a movie that takes your whole weekend away because it's going to be 42 hours long. Well, that's just from, wasn't it in, um, it's in New Moon. Stephanie Meyer's New Moon is like three pages, was three months. Yeah. And it just works. Like, I don't need, it, yeah. it, it emphasizes that nothing happened. And mm-hmm. that's right after, I think, when Edward leaves. And so it's yeah. like, not just nothing happened, it's like, I don't even want to think about these three months. So nothing of importance happened. Yeah, and I actually, I cannot believe I'm going to say this about that series, but that's where the movie got it right. (laughs) The new moon movie, the way, the way they shot that, those pages, the, the three empty pages where, cause in the book, it's just like, this is March, flip the page. Yeah. This is April. I can't even think of the months in a row. In the movie, she's sitting there and staring at her window and the camera just circles around her and the seasons change and like across the screen it gives the month right and then and it, it just keeps going around and she just sits there and it's absolutely pathetic um which we can all agree <laughs> on but the movie did that really well it showed that time pacing really well otherwise they could have done like oh edward's gone she's wallowing eating her ice cream and then doesn't wake up for a couple of days and then boof it's like three months later and she's back at school like what and so in the movie star girl Uh, as opposed to the book, the way they've interwoven the timeline, like putting, putting the beginning of the school, Stargirl showing up, hot seat, the oratorical contest, football, all at the same time, I think is fine. Uh, It's a little rushed to me. I felt very rushed because everything was just kind of happening all at once. And it doesn't let you get to know the characters very well in the movie. They could have done that a lot cleaner. I don't really know how, uh, you mentioned in your show notes the miniseries. I think a miniseries would have benefited yeah. this so much because they could yeah. have taken that time. Like, introduce Stargirl in a 40-minute episode. Have her do some really quirky stuff, like sing happy birthday to everyone in the lunchroom. Play with a rat in the middle of the lunchroom. I don't know. Have her jump around the football field. <laughs> I was reading this and thinking this should be a miniseries or Absolutely. at least like a three-episode special or something. Yeah. 
because first off, that's sort of the thing going on now is converting books to miniseries because you can mm-hmm. actually kind of cover the wider range of characters. And I think most people who watch adaptions of literature in a miniseries are usually satisfied if they're fans mm-hmm. of things. I know, uh, what was it after after Stranger Things and everybody was hype over 80s nostalgia? Mm-hmm. You could just imagine, I think it was Warner Brothers who dist- who made uh, produced um, the It, Stephen King It. Okay. And they were probably like, oh, we should have done a miniseries. <laughs> they, were like, yeah. they were like, oh, why did we do a 90 minute to two hour movie? We should have done a yeah. miniseries. Um, and, and I just think this would have been benefited other than just benefiting the, the narrative of Stargirl expanded out into a miniseries. So like six to eight episodes. Mm-hmm. I also think like Disney Plus just doesn't have anything worthwhile like, I know everyone's like, but it has Star Wars. It's like, yeah, but they're not new. <laughs> like, yeah, you're stuff, watching all the old stuff. <laughs> you're what? Like, I think it's totally fair to be like, I, I don't want to watch the older stuff. I want to watch new stuff. Mm. It's just uh, like, it's totally viable to want new stuff. And Disney yeah. Plus kind of doesn't have that. Like Artemis Fowl mm-hmm. was going to go to theaters, which makes no sense to me after seeing it, but mm-hmm. that was going to happen. And yeah. you had Hamilton, which wasn't even supposed to come out this year. They were going to have it go up next year, I think, initially. Okay. But also it was filmed in 2016, so it's yeah. not original content. And it, there's just no reason why we went from the Mandalorian in which ended in like December to like nothing coming out that was of yeah. value. And then Stargirl is a single movie that could have been yeah. that could have been eight weeks of solid, solid content because yeah. the movie looks good. It's got good mm-hmm. production value. And if you're doing yeah. a drama, you can kind of you can I feel like you can kind of stretch the budget a little better. If you're gonna add, like they add characters, I feel like in this, right? Yes, they do. So the, why? The why friends, they don't have the one time? That eats a lot, and then the girl. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you don't really get to know them except that. Like, the, why were they there? Eats a lot, and then there's another girl in the group. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like they add these characters that don't do anything, and then the one character who's a side character who gets the most mention. What was her name? It was um. Star I don't Girl's know friend, Dory. Name. Dory. Oh, Dilson. Dory. I love Dory. They could have done so much more with her she's like she has so really only one line that we know of and it's Did not she? even when she delivers no 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 mm. in the um in the book it, oh, she okay. has a a line later on where she's mad at star girl and says like yeah. you're not yourself i'm not happy yep. about you because you're not yourself and she doesn't even deliver it yeah it's just strange i don't know why it wasn't a miniseries it should have been a miniseries that's Absolutely. that's just how it is because i mean it's good yeah. enough to keep people engaged you got yeah. book sales that are going up for a couple months i'm sorry a mm. couple weeks but months if it's a good series and then yeah. they could just pull the there's no more books but we could write more mm-hmm. <laughs> content i mean well, there, there is, is the sequel. there's a sequel love, i haven't read it love yeah star love star girl i'm totally interested i'll read it it's written like letters and stuff it's supposed to be pretty yeah and it's read. all from her perspective yeah uh mm-hmm. set after as well so then you get yeah. to know what happens yes. so but the, the, it would have been perfectly fine to a perfectly fine series to have been story to have been a series and to to have something different because like everybody's just for we're not going to talk about disney plus here but i'm still going to say this like all people are like "Ah, star wars and marvel but it's like i want i want new stuff yeah Uh, (laughs) if i could just make a quick plug about disney plus i'm just going to say the jeff goldblum series 
kind of fun to watch because he's a quirky dude and he's just so precious. So it's it's the world according to Jeff Goldblum. And he talks about like pools and coffee and ice cream and barbecue and makeup and tattoos. He goes to it. There's a tattoo convention that happens in Pittsburgh where people get his face tattooed on their body. And he's just like, okay. So it's a great show. I'm just saying, it's a great. It's I. It's probably my favorite show on Disney Plus. They should come out with a sequel, The World According to Nicolas Cage. Now that I will watch. Like include mini a little bit of a mini series slash movie topic. The characters had really good chemistry. Leo and Stargirl, their chemistry on camera was pretty good and oh, yeah. pretty convincing. Um, and I'm totally stealing that from my husband. He picked up on that and he said he, he enjoyed their chemistry, but he did not read the book and he watched the movie. And I have this terrible thing about talking during movies sometimes, especially when it's a book adaptation. So he was hearing all about what was wrong and, and what was missing from the book. So he didn't go into it totally blind, but he did say if he just watched the movie without reading the book, he would not have totally understood what was going on because I'm, if anything, I'm sitting there filling in for him. Like it's supposed to be this. It's supposed to be that. That's what this means. That's this. And he is like, okay, what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Just from, from the perspective of someone who hasn't even read the book, the movie kind of falls flat a little bit. And, and he was the one who mentioned, uh, so it's his idea from my side anyway, about the miniseries that he, he thinks that a miniseries would have been really strong in this. Yeah. I would have loved it. Keep the same actors. Uh, yeah. good, good music too. I like the, the way they modernize this because the, mm-hmm. the book, I mean, it's funny to say modernize because the book released in 2000, like one or three or 2000. Something. This book is 20 years old. Yeah. And they modernize it by having like cell phones, I yeah. guess, but they're basically yeah. playing music in that way. And it's just uh, that there there were creative touches for that. So it's like it's like it's like one of those movies where you want them to go further. (laughs) Yeah, I I see that you're on track. Go further and then you'll be like there. Like you already went creative, but I need you to do that the whole time. (laughs) So I wanted to see more of her saying she sang happy birthday to Leo, which if I'm allowed to say doesn't happen in the book no i think he's, it does doesn't no it? she so his birthday is in the summer he makes a point of like i'm really glad my birthday's in oh the summer that's right she You're won't right. sing to me she sings to him when she's singing happy birthday to the girl to somebody else the that's not right. nice girl hillary kimball hillary kimball which she's in the movie but she's never given a name or is she yeah, and she's I very don't even know. she's a very and different character she's very i don't like her character but like add more of that in there. They kind of combine her with somebody else. And I thought that I thought that worked, but like I you kind of They did. Need, they did combine her with someone else. Yeah, you mm-hmm. kind of need though like to it's sort of like how we've talked we've talked to death, the fact that Stargirl in this is not as eccentric as the first as as the book. But she's also like really really compassionate and nice and her kindness is way more infectious in the when you're reading the book yeah because everyone loves the, it. well not just infectious in the book that everyone else starts being kinder but as a reader it's really infectious and yeah. part of what makes it more infectious is the fact that the school is very nasty to her mm-hmm. very nasty there's a scene in the book where hillary kimball takes the rat and is dangling it over the yes! stairs 
And you're like, holy Ugh. crap. <laughs> I hate it. I hated that. That's so cruel. And it like makes you really uncomfortable to read. And of course it's safe. Cinnamon survives. Mm-hmm. No, you don't need to post pray for cinnamon. We're okay. He lives. He makes it through the whole book. But all of that really makes Stargirl her her empathy is enhanced by her endurance. I mean, she endures yeah. a lot of meanness. Like even towards the yeah, end. She doesn't really notice it. Yeah, that's sort she of like just, a point. It's like, do you even care. know how people treat you? And she's like, I just don't like why why do I why do I care? Yeah. Like why should I care? Do I have to care? And and like it's it it's just uh I'm not gonna say that this movie was Disney sanitized. I don't think that's the case at all. I think I think there are movies that have been Disney sanitized. Artemis Fowl was absolutely sanitized. I have not seen it yet, so I can't. I read the book. I well, seen then the you, if you remember the book, you got to watch that with Thomas, and you got to okay. fill him in because that I I might have to that, spark notes that, the book just in case, just to get a movie, reminder. I think we're going to have to talk about it on the show at some point, but that's the only movie where I was genuinely confused the entire time. Had you I've read never the book? felt that way. The room didn't make me feel confused. I knew what was happening in the room, but this movie, I was just genuinely confused. So it's leave it to Disney again to do another book adaption. And just, well, just I'll, re- it, but... I'll reread the book and then watch the movie and you can have me back on and we'll talk about that one and we'll see if we agree. <laughs> That'd be great because I'll, I'll rewatch Artemis. That was insane. Uh, it's just bizarre, but, but yeah, I, I, it's just one of these cases where I think Disney. I don't think it's Disney. I think it's one of these cases where the script just decided it didn't want to balance everything that it perhaps should have, and that's that's okay. I think this movie. I think I don't. I I was bored with this movie, but I don't yeah. dislike this movie. I don't think the star the Star Girl movie is bad. I kind of think it's more like a I can see people enjoying it, especially if they haven't read the book. And I can see people enjoying it if they have read the book. But yeah. I don't think you know, for me, whatever proverbial bar that I set for movies to get to a point that I enjoy it, this this did not reach it. I was thinking an adaptation that got it right was to all the boys I loved before I like that. I had read the book, loved the book and then saw the movie. And I was just like, okay, where's the second one? Is the sequel coming out soon? These, these two characters, these two people are perfect for, for the cat. Like they're, they're yeah, perfect. They're, Noah Centennial and Lana Condor have like perfect chemistry. They're amazing. And then their characters are so good. So it's like, they're you so can't good. go wrong. You can't and they go didn't wrong. mess up Laura Jean's character. I feel like, they they because she's really sassy in the in the in the book which is pretty abnormal for a teen romance that is centered around a girl usually she's like super whiny and oh what was me the boy doesn't like me what am i gonna do she's just like okay whatever i'm gonna write this letter and i'm done and then she moves on <laughs> yeah. and they kept that in the movie and i feel like star girl one they they, they they had so so much to pick from like it really would not have been hard to take Stargirl from the book and put her in the movie Mm-mm. and they didn't do it. Yeah. There was one other comment that I, because I read the book and I, I didn't, I disliked the way they translated it to screen, but then something that my husband mentioned, he did not like the part of the movie where the school turned on Stargirl and how it came about. Uh, and I, I have to agree because the build up to, to all of that didn't really make any sense. Um, and I don't know how far I should go as far as 
spoileriness goes. No, it just sort of happens. It's it's, it's, it's this thing happens. where yeah, it's, everyone's kind of like she's great, which kind of just happens. It doesn't. Yeah, there's <laughs> it, she's and she's a normal person, so yeah, she's a great person. But why yeah. why are they so infatuated with her? And that when I'm watching the movie, that's what I think. So reading through Stargirl and watching Stargirl and knowing that sort of the main thesis, thankfully for both adaptions, of course, we both agree the book does it better, but is that line that Archie says, which I don't actually think Archie says it in the movie. He doesn't. No he one doesn't. says it in the movie. No one says it. Okay, that's okay. Uh, but basically it's, are you going to love, are you going to seek the affections of the one that loves you? Or are you going to seek the affection of the of everyone else and the juxtaposition is will leo seek the affection of star girl as she is or is she going to is he going to seek the affection of mika high as they don't like star girl as they hate star girl because what's happening is as he starts to have a relationship with star girl they start to turn on him and so he has to balance like who who do i want to be uh, basically an allegiance to. And, and a lot of that brought back a lot of what I shared during one of the last audio essays that were, that I did for cinematic doctrine. So for those who are listening now and haven't been listening for the last year and a half of the show, the, the show started with audio essays, which were basically just, it was just me and I would write out something and it'd be thoughts on a film and then thoughts on a broader topic regarding the film. Basically what we do now, except it was just me. Uh, but basically, in that episode, I covered Terrence Malick's A Hidden Life. It's about a conscientious objector who denies Hitler and keep and denies Hitler because he you know, believes in Christ. And the allegiance to Hitler for him is basically an allegiance to the Antichrist. He, he can't he can't say I, you know, I follow Hitler. He can't. And that led into a discussion about Matthew 10, where Jesus states that, you know, he's coming to bring a sword that he will divide between families. Matthew 10, verse 36, from the mouth of Jesus, straight up just says, a man's enemies will be the members of his household. That's wild. And so what Jesus is getting at here is that our affection and our love for Christ will bring division from those who ultimately don't love him and therefore don't love us, at least not in the way that Jesus wants our love to be. And sometimes the way he, we express that love for Christ comes off as offensive or irritating to others or even antagonistic. I imagine most of our listeners first think about their stance on pro-life or traditional marriage or perhaps against those. But I'm not even talking really about that. I'm talking more about things like how you speak about your neighbors when they aren't in the room, whether or not you have preconceived notions of those you see before you actually meet them. Or if you even try and branch outside your social tribe to meet other people like with confidence. Because in Christ, knowing that he loves me and will sustain me no matter what, I shouldn't really have any fear of man. Whether that's losing the adoration and care for my fellow brother and neighbor or chasing after their adoration by committing myself to good works or trying to be what they want me to be. Because Christ already loves me for me. You know what I mean? So like I don't need to to dress a certain way when I go to church. I should dress appropriately first stuff, but mm -hmm. I that appropriately isn't you have to wear your Sunday best. I can go in a graphic tee and some shorts and I can worship my God that way. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't annex me from it. And so that's that's kind of what I'm getting at because we still kind of have those things that when we see people, we immediately make a judgment and sometimes it's negative. 
And Christ already loves other people for who they are too. And I, I know everyone listening is probably going insofar as you're like Christ or insofar as you aren't sinning, insofar as you aren't X, Y, or Z. And yeah, obviously there are stipulations because if you're actively sinning, the Lord is against you in that mm-hmm. because the law exists and you should be wise and there's, you know, the, all that's still a thing. But I'm literally talking about non-sinful things, like I said earlier, like the type of clothing I wear. Um, that just makes people different from others. So clothing choice or hobbies or passions or interests or physical appearance or sound of their voice or home decor. Those things are very important. And unfortunately, people will make hateful judgments based on those things that are deeply problematic. Now, I have an experience in that regard, uh, and I, I want to share that. But I really want to hear from you about this first, Cheryl, because mm-hmm. everybody hears my voice every week uh, <laughs> if they're listening. So, so when it comes to like innocuous differences, how do you feel about your experience and the ways you've had to endure in Christ? Yeah. So these types of questions are sometimes really hard for me to answer. Uh, And I I don't know if it's because I'm just not always a deep thinker uh, or I can't be a deep thinker on like the turn of a dime. It just kind of has to come. But a lot of this actually happened to me pretty recently within the last maybe four to five years having an experience of like, who am I and in which ways do I need to change to make me more likable for specific people or a specific person. So uh, I'd say probably about, well, I'm not even keeping count anymore. Maybe three years ago, I was dating a gentleman who um, was into really cool things, and he enjoyed sharing all those things with me, and I enjoyed learning about them and got involved in some of them, and they were a lot of fun. But after six months, I really realized that I didn't really know who I was in the relationship because we didn't do anything I liked, and I don't think he really asked me what I liked. Uh, I might have had to offer it or just like wait for him to ask those questions, but none of it ever was brought up so I, I mean why why be with or why be around someone who doesn't want to know you or accept you for who you are so thank the lord got out of that um and i decided after that that it was really stupid to try to change who i was just to mold to somebody else to be sure that they would like me because if they if they knew I was super quirky and and sometimes act childish just because I'm really comfortable around other people and it's and it's fun and but I can also be really serious and and really listen and I cry super easily for other people or at books or at movies. I love to read. I love to eat a lot of food. Uh, luckily, it doesn't stay on my hips, but there it is. And um, I love board games, video games. MTG, sorry, Magic the Gathering, in case people don't know. Uh, like, I like those things. Also, thank you, Melvin, for bringing that addiction into my life. Just <laughs> Oops. And, like, I haven't <laughs> even played in a long time, so it's like I just passed it on. Yeah, yeah you did. You did. And, and that brings me to, like, finally accepting all those things about myself. I, I There's such freedom in that to just realize, like, I get to be who Christ made me. And I love that. Like, I love being who I am. Do Are there still days that I sometimes struggle with that? Absolutely. Like, when you walk down the street or you're walking into a store and you're feeling super giddy and everything, but you're like, oh, no, are these people going to look at me funny? And you, know, you just tell yourself, maybe, just be who you are. It doesn't really matter. 
and now I'm married to this pretty awesome guy who just pretty likes... awesome reviewed yeah, by Shirley. Pretty... <laughs> He's actually way more than awesome, uh, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> and I can't, I can never think of better words. So we'll see how someone can uh, tally up and tell me how many times I said awesome in this podcast. But yeah, he, he, there's so many different things that he likes that I don't really like. Sorry, Star Wars is not my jam, but I'll sit and watch it with him because he loves it. And there are things that he likes that I like. Magic the Gathering, Lord of the Rings. He also loves to read. So that's really, really cool. And then there's things that he's introduced me to that I've turned and loved. Uh, He just introduced me to Stargate and now I'm obsessed. It's a really (laughs) awesome show. And I'm a total Trekkie, so we're going to see how this goes. But being allowed to like these things and have someone love me for that is amazing. And I think that eventually that's what Stargirl gets to. But it just, it kind of, it it, it struggles, like Leo struggles to to see that. Stargirl has it. Stargirl in the book, she she already knows all these things that took me 20 some years to figure out. And she, she accepts herself. And then she changes and is miserable and wonders why nothing is working. And I can attest that it's never going to work if you're going to change for other people. And what you need to do is accept who you are in Christ and how he's created you. Because he created you very specifically. All your quirks, all your likes, all your dislikes, your oddities, your sensitivities, and, and your heart for the world. He's created all of that and he loves that. And he wants you to share that with other people. If you don't share that with other people, you can't properly share Christ because you're hiding who Christ is. Sometimes the things that you that we are as image bearers, confident in who we are as image bearers of God, because we are all different. And that's what makes image bearing so amazing, because if we're all very different from one another and yet we're all worshiping the Lord that means the Lord's image is much bigger than we give it credit for. <laughs> that's like, that's just awesome. Now, my only response to that would be awesome, but some people don't feel that way. And yeah. I'm not exactly starting this episode to have end with a conversation about things like racism or things like that. Yeah. Uh, that seems to be where like um, image bearing conversations are going these days. But I'm thinking more about how, like Leo would be giving up everybody to be with Stargirl. And for a time he does in the book or for a time that that's really something that he is doing. And he's kind of wrestling with that. And it it's awesome that you and I both have spouses that we can be very comfortable around. I'm a very different person off microphone. I'm, it's not like I'm not Christian or not this a big movie true. fan, but I'm just like just different. Uh, and it's, and it, and it's, and that's okay because this is still me too. It's not like that different is a bad version, but sometimes you have to fight to be comfortable in who you are. And that's when the division can start because there are people around you who might really love that. And then there are people who don't, there are families that are like, if you're who you are, if you're who you are in Christ, which means that you're also just comfortable being a gamer or comfortable being a reader or comfortable being a painter or a dancer or a musician or an artist or a mathematician, things like that. There are people in your family who might call you a dweeb or a dork for being a mathematician or people who will say like, I'm sure artists who listen to the podcast are tired of the 
that joke that's like, how are you? So how do you pay the bills? <laughs> and it's like, what do you mean? How do I pay the bills? I'm an artist. <laughs> like, exactly, yeah, right? like it's none of your business. You wouldn't ask me how much I was making if I had a real yeah. job. Why are you asking me how much I'm making when I'm working non-traditionally? <laughs> so it's like, yeah. and things like that do cut deep. Hearing that hurts. It does. I had this story once where it was actually our honeymoon where we're on this cruise is awesome. We got to go on another cruise when, when COVID is allowed. (laughs) I think you're actually still (laughs) allowed. I think you can do a cruise. It's dirt cheap, but it's like the process of going on takes forever. And then it's like a two week of coming off. Like you have to quarantine. I don't know. So your vacation has to be like twice as long than what you plan at this point. Twice as long, but a quarter of the price. Yeah, that is is true. And I love cruises. I know it's people always say you should go to a resort, not a cruise, but I love the ocean, even if it petrifies me. So Mm -hmm. them them sea monsters. That's how you know I'm like a child of Abraham because I'm petrified by the ocean. But yeah, we're on this cruise and we're getting lunch. Actually, we're getting breakfast and it's like the free breakfast and it's all upstairs in this cafeteria and all the seats are taken. So we sit at this one giant table and we're sitting there and there's a lot of extra seats and, you know, other people are having the same experience and they're like, I'm tired. And it's like day four and it's not like I haven't been sleeping well because like I, I like the rocking of the boat. I find that cathartic but until you get off when you get off and you get home and, and the, the boat's still rocking but you're in your home bed yep. that's not okay not okay <laughs> but you just you know so the conditions are like i just want to eat breakfast and then i want to spend time with my wife but then we we got to meet these people they come sit with us and it was a joy talking to them and after about we 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 keep talking to the point that we're talking with these people so long, it's lunchtime now. The people have brought out, gotten rid of the breakfast and brought out the lunch food. So we just stayed mm. there sitting and we got lunch. And so now we're eating lunch together and we're talking and we're like becoming really good friends. And it turns out they're Christians too. And it's just such a joy because like this one woman has grown up in the church her whole life and she got married recently. And I think, I can't remember if it was their honeymoon or not, but you know, her husband has come to Christ recently and, and it's like, they just, it's just awesome. Right. It's so cool. Sounds beautiful. And so now it's nighttime. The whole day has passed. Like we had split ways after lunch. And so we'd been talking for about five hours by that point at the, uh, but you know, skip ahead another six or seven hours and we're in bed. And I tell Kat, like, I feel like I'm not allowed to say today was good because when those two people came to sat with us, sit with us, the first thing in my head was don't sit with us. You guys look terrible. Like, isn't that just, that's horrible. (laughs) That is so bad. And it's like, we, I will say we, I will say we, typically I like to talk about my own experience. I think it's safe to say we. Maybe that's not true. I feel like a listener, I feel like a listener will be like, Melvin, you talk about everybody's experience all the time, but we, (laughs) we, we make those judgments so quick and those people will never, maybe they will know because maybe they listen to the show. I don't know. If you guys listen to the show, that's great. I'll see them on the new earth, Lord willing. And, and they'll, they'll be pleased to know that in Christ, that sin has been paid for and we get to be together forever. But, we we make those choices in our heads all of the time. Alcohol mm-hmm. sometimes just helps you get it out of your mouth, but we're making those things in our head all the time and they divide. Yeah. And like, I didn't know that the Lord was going to bless me with a five hour conversation with believers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even if they weren't believers, if it was a five hour conversation with anybody, I would be just really happy. And, yeah. and the first thing I thought was, you know, you're, you're a star girl and you're, you don't fit norms just because I've decided you don't and I'm going to reject you. 
they shouldn't have to work to get me to like them. They shouldn't have to be Christians to get me to be kind to them. They shouldn't have yeah. to be sitting with me for five hours and prove to me like, actually, they're really nice to talk to. They just are. <laughs> they yeah. they just are. They were and they always will be people worth mm-hmm. talking to. And that's sort of like the thing that I was really like drawing from when reading Stargirl and watching Stargirl, but mostly reading as we've made clear. But like. Leo is constantly going like Stargirl, why why aren't you doing this for something? And she's like, what what, what 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 do you mean? What am I doing it like for something? That whole conversation was a, like that 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 paragraph was yeah that was that was a great paragraph. And it's like she her worth isn't in the things she's doing because she doesn't do it she for value yeah. and worth. She, she just doesn't care does that, it. That she doesn't get the <laughs> the credit. He's like, don't you want the credit? And she's like, what credit? Like, what do you mean I by credit? Care. I don't even understand. Like, what's, that even, what's that word? Like, I'm 16 now. What is credit? <laughs> like, Yeah. And it's like, and, and when you're 20 and you hear credit, you cringe because you're like, oh, my credit card. No. Yeah, right? <laughs> but like, wrong kind of credit. Wrong kind of credit. I don't, I don't want credit. But um, yeah, it's just th- this book really reminded me that like you really don't do things for credit. Like that's works righteousness. Mm hmm. I don't, I'm not nice to people, Lord willing, because I want credit for it or I want people to like me. I'm nice to people, Lord willing, because they deserve to be nice to, mm-hmm. because I want to be nice to people, because it's like an outpouring. Yeah. I could, I could just get geeky about this <laughs> and, and just keep talking about why that's the case. And I don't really need to. So I'm going to just pass yeah. it on. But really, it just like, it really is. It is a battle. It is a battle to be like that, to be like Stargirl. And like when you're reading it, you're like, I want to be like Stargirl. I want to be like that. And yeah. thankfully, you and I can be like, I want to be like Christ. I want to be like Jesus. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I thought this was yeah. a, a good example of like, you could say practically what that looks like. You could take some good pointers from from her uh, from her office. Yeah. If you ever get to see what her office looks uh, like. Her little office. Yeah, I want her office. I mean, I could, I could desperately use an office right now. Uh, working from home in the bedroom, <laughs> yeah. I could, I could desperately use the, uh, the office in Archie's backyard. Can I just say, like, as millennials, like, I don't ever envision having an office. So, like, I just never have a, a, an idea that, like, I'll have a big enough property that has an office. Yeah. I know that's just that's not very <laughs> forward thinking, but it's just like that's what it feels like. Anyways, hey, go ahead. our 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 office is going to be also the rec room when we get our new place. So it's going to be the game room, but then I can also have my workspace. Oh, that's going to be disorienting because you're going to do work in the same place you play. But and you're not we're gonna also wanna... going to have a living room and I'll have a separate bedroom because I don't want to work in the same place I sleep anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to like get out of bed and look at my work stuff. So please give me Stargirl's office. Bringing it back into this idea of the, the thinking of other people and how she's just like Leo's like, don't you want the credit? Like that's that's normal. That's the connection we have to other people is you do things and then you sign your name from Leo so people know it's from you. Uh, and she's just, I don't like why 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 would I need that? And she she's like a three year old answering the adult. Don't 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 put the the fork in the in the outlet. Why? don't don't do that again why it's she's right. just always asking why and it, it i really because. like that and chapter. it's like not it yeah i was just like it's not it, it yeah but it reminded me of the passage in philippians about 
the humility of Christ and how we are to to have to to give to make that our example. And if I so could read that little passage, because I think yeah, it really sums up everything that we're saying that as Christians we need to be. Um, so I'll just start from the beginning. Uh, I won't read the whole thing because that's a long that's a long thing. So starting from the beginning of Philippians two uh, in verse one. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that that's what we, that's the credit we should be giving and, and getting. And, and like our boast is not in ourselves, it's in Christ. And when we do stuff for other people, it the credit should always go back to God and should always go back to what he has done for us because we, we don't deserve any of this at all. Yeah. And I, I love that the, the, the one thing that's like always stands out to me with that passage is like to make the Lord's joy complete. Yeah. Like it's like, it's not complete yet, which is like crazy to you. Cause you're like, why would the Lord doesn't need anything? He's, he's, he is, entirely sustained by himself there right. there is almost to the point that there's no sustenance required you know what i mean mm-hmm. and yet here's the lord telling us like his his joy is not complete until we start <laughs> being yeah. nice to each other and spreading yeah. that joy the joy of christ counting <laughs> others more significant than yourselves is what we should be doing yeah to, to spread that joy and everything because it's not about us it's not about us getting the credit because it's not it's not us who's doing a lot of that work because it's the spirit in us working through us uh, to to be kind to others and once we recognize that the credit doesn't belong to us it always goes back to god boasting in, in god and not ourselves is is what we need to be doing on a daily basis uh and this just wraps that up so nicely and and that is what brings god joy and it, his I think it's one of those things where like God's joy, it's, it's both complete and incomplete because God is just always complete, but we get to add to that joy and, and give him the credit to all of this. And it's just really cool. Amen. Yeah. It's one of those, I always call it double Christian double thinks because like, yeah, yeah, we, we have to believe what he tells us that he's totally fine by himself and he doesn't need us. And then also he yearns and loves for us. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, what, but you don't need me. Yeah, but I love you yeah. and I need yeah. you. And it's like, well, but you don't need me. And you're like, yeah, I don't need you. But also I do. And it's like, uh, what? Like, I want you. He <laughs> wants us. And that's just beautiful. Yeah. We're wanted by a God who doesn't need anything. Like he, he doesn't want, he doesn't need. 
and yet he wants us us fallible humans who sin as yeah. we wake up out of bed and i'm just like man i don't want to go to work i i hate this god gave me this job like yeah it's a blessing that's a whole nother story <laughs> yeah but god just like dropped this job in my lap three days before i moved away from dc only to come back again a month later and i'm just like sick of how i have to do this right now and that in a way is sinning against something God gave me. And it's such a blessing because without this yeah. job, I would not have, I, I, I hope I'd be married to my husband because he's pretty rad, but who knows? Well, the joy of Christ is we don't have to think about alternative timelines because there's only one and that's it. Amen. Thank you so much, Cheryl, for coming on. This was, this was awesome. I am really glad great. we finally figured out how we could get this together i think even you and i talked a couple months ago and like i threw out star girl i don't even remember you might have i was like i think i think we could do star girl and you're like hey i read that before that could be a fun one and you're like is there a movie i'm like yeah it just came out in disney plus which kind of puts yeah. in perspective how well they marketed it and by that yeah. i'm using sarcasm yeah but th <laughs> yeah thanks so much for um sharing some time and investing some time in, into this i really appreciate it yeah, I, I had a lot of fun coming on. If other people enjoy hearing this, I, I would love to come back and keep talking book adaptations with you because I love to read. It's it's an obsession of mine. And I am the person to, to rip apart movies when they don't follow the book. So unless we, we want to chat Lord of the Rings, just let me know. I was thinking Artemis Fowl. I was thinking Artemis Fowl. <laughs> we can do I would be fine. We can we can do Artemis Fowl and, and rip it if we need to, but I think we should find movies that we're kind to. So Lord of the Rings would be cool. That could be cool. Just saying I mean that's probably been talked about a lot on podcasts that have to do with cinema. But could could hey, be to that's death. okay. <laughs> it could be to death. <laughs> Thanks so much for checking out this episode on Stargirl. And thanks so much, Sherlyon, for joining me on this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. Now, if you've seen Stargirl, what did you think of it? Were you satisfied with the film adaption, or as things usually go, was the book better? If you're listening on Cinematic Doctrine's website, let us know in the comments below, or shoot us an email to cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review for the podcast on your respective podcast app at the end of this episode. This one. Just this one. Actually, all of them. Why not all of them? It really helps us out when you leave a review. It lets us know what you're thinking, and that's really, really great. As mentioned before, you can also support Cinematic Doctrine on Patreon, support us monthly, as low as $3 a month. You'll be opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you get to decide a movie you discuss in the podcast, and you also gain access to The Pre-Show, which is a Patreon-exclusive podcast series where my co-host Daniel and I casually talk movies, Christianity, life itself. It's pretty rad. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine. And a special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom and Dad and Melanie. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. All of this will be available in the show notes. Till next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.